Welcome to the Data-Driven CX podcast by Informatica. In this podcast, the fundamentals, real-life practices and impact of data-driven CX are explored in conversations with industry thought leaders and successful business leaders. In this episode, we give an industry spotlight. Data-driven CX in financial services, so expect business imperatives, challenges and solutions. I am your host, Nienke Bloom, and my guest today is Peter Koo, Chief Industry Strategist, Financial Services of Informatica. He has over 20 years of enterprise software strategy, marketing and sales experience in the areas of data governance, data management, business intelligence and analytics. Wow, Peter, what a track record. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be on today. Yeah. Well, I introduce you very briefly, but can you elaborate a little bit on what you're doing at Informatica? Sure. So Informatica provides solutions to help organizations manage, govern, and protect their data. And, you know, we've been doing this for over 25 years. And as the strategist for our financial services vertical, uh, I've been involved quite heavily in speaking to our customer community, understanding their business priorities and needs, how they're dealing with their data requirements and challenges, and educating them on how Informatica is being utilized across this industry when we say industry banking capital markets and insurance help them understand how are we used to solve similar problems who's using us and why organizations invest in informatica i've been spending a lot of time talking about data management and the importance of good data uh, through podcasts such as this as well as through the community that we work with through our partner organizations as well and lastly just being on top of the key trends in the market these days because everyone talks about the importance of customer relationships and customer experience but also the important factor behind all of that is ensuring that those systems and applications that their customers use or the employees of these institutions rely on have data that is fit for use meaning it's available it's trustworthy and it's understood by the people who use it and and as you just shared you've been sp- you know, involved with many of your customers and you've been talking to them and helping them and educating them, but that also means that you've got a really good view of what's happening well, du- during this pandemic. What is the impact of the pandemic on CX and financial services? Well, I tell you, you know, financial services in general, uh, prior to the pandemic, it's it's been an industry where competing on price or on products has really been difficult. Right. A checking account is a checking account. An auto loan is an auto loan. An insurance policy is an insurance policy. If these companies could charge more and sell more, they would. Obviously, that's not the case. So they've been competing on providing the best level of service and experience to the customers they do business with from the time they onboard them as new clients and throughout the customer's life cycle. And that level of experience, I think, was really important throughout the pandemic. And we've we've seen organizations, including ourselves and many out there, um, adjusting to the work at home environment. And and we heard many of our customers across the financial services sector uh, when the pandemic first started adjusting to ensuring that they kept the lights on. They also needed to ensure that their customers had access to their funds and accounts and policies and the people and the systems that they rely on to transact and interact with their financial institutions. We've seen a significant drop in the revenue intake 
from the banks as well as insurance companies. I mean, during the pandemic, people were losing their jobs. Uh, many of them have not recovered. Therefore, they're not going out and purchasing new automobiles or recreational vehicles or even new homes in many areas. So that obviously impacts the loans and loans that the uh, banks would provide their customers or new insurance policies on those purchases. So the downturn in revenue has also impacted their ability to spend and prioritize where they actually need to help grow their business. But I think the biggest impact has been the importance of becoming more digitally enabled and ensuring that customers can, again, do business over their mobile phones, over the internet, and making that as seamless as possible. And I I truly believe that the age of Zoom and video conferencing is now becoming the new norm. And I don't think we'll ever go back to the way we used to. In fact, <laughs> no. I have two adult daughters who have opened up accounts and they've never walked into a branch bank. So they do everything digitally. And I think the pandemic has accelerated those digital transformation investments by months, if not by years, and we'll, we'll benefit from that. So those are the things that, that I'm hearing and have seen uh, from the financial institutions as they've been dealing with COVID-19 globally. Yeah, it's it's very recognizable. So my adult daughter, I, I, she's never been into a bank and uh, I don't think she ever ever will mm -hmm. because um, yeah, the world changed. But looking at that and also maybe looking at through the eyes of, well, the young adults, I, I'm not one of them, but also my own needs. But what is driving the need uh, to improve customer experiences across financial services industries? Yeah, I think a lot of it is is around competition. I mean, you think about the the big banks out there, the Robo banks, of course, where where you're from, and elsewhere in the United States. Um, they're they're no longer just seeing comp competition from their traditional brick and mortar peers. You have an emergence of companies we call them fintechs, companies that are you know born what we call in the cloud. They don't have the legacy technologies to deal with. They're providing innovative services, innovative products, and a more digital experience to acquire new customers and to continue to do business with them. Um, again, prices and products of loans and insurance policies is not where these organizations are going to compete. Experience, that experience from the get-go is what's going to keep customers to do business with them. It's going to allow these customers to refer their institutions to their families and friends and their coworkers. And, and that's really going to leave a, a lasting impression. And it does for me personally. I bank with my organization because of the services they provide digitally. Uh, I've switched my retail brokerage accounts to my current institution because of their capabilities they provide on their mobile application, to be honest. So those things really are important and it will continue and remain important going forward. Yeah, what I also, and, and maybe you also see that while the digitization goes so much faster, it's also easier to, to, to switch because beforehand you had to put all this paperwork in and it was difficult. Mm -hmm. But now also with everything being digital, it's so much easier to switch from your financial service provider. So I think it will even, um, well, get customers to be even more critical on and make on decision making what do you see in that you're absolutely right um, you know in the past when you wanted to switch let's say your retail brokerage account from one institution to another you'd have to go through mounds and mounds of paperwork um, that paperwork turned into 
soft copies, which again, have to be emailed back and forth. Nowadays, it's a couple of clicks on your mobile app and voila, it happens. Switching being easier to do than ever before increases even more the importance of keeping the customers that these organizations have spent a lot of money and effort to obtain and become new customers. They need to keep them happy. They need to ensure they're providing the level of service that they require because if they don't, their competitors will and they'll lose those customers because those switching efforts are so much easier than before. Yeah, I think it's something that I see some organizations really have that sense of urgency, but I also see some that really might need to be a little bit more fierce on that. But looking at what companies are doing to improve CX, um, let's take that topic a little bit around. Can you answer the broader question or should we already really narrow, narrow it down? Well, they're doing a lot in terms of people, processes and technology, the way they go to market. I remember... Before the pandemic, I don't know if you guys, I know actually in Europe, um, many of the banks on the street corners in the main metropolitan areas sort of looked like cafes. In New York City, for yep. example, some of the larger banks had a, a Pete's Coffee there. It really looked like a coffee shop. When you realize they're actually in the branch of that institution. And so they wanted to provide sort of that experience for the millennials and the younger generation to collaborate and spend time there drinking coffee and as well as uh, doing their 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 banking uh, services on site. Well, obviously that doesn't happen these days with with COVID. So organizations are investing in that digital experience. Uh, we call it digital transformation. That's a really big catch-all phrase. What we are seeing, however, is that many of the legacy brick and mortar banks and insurance companies they are now replacing and modernizing the core systems that have been used to run their businesses core banking platforms, yeah. payment systems, and so forth. Um, we see them investing in analytics and AI, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning technologies to help automate and remove the friction often caused by human beings in the middle. And that the analytics that are now available these days provide business users with greater insight into new business opportunities to both grow relationships, but also protect the ones that might be at risk. But it's not just providing insights, it's then automating those business processes through artificial and, and, and artificial intelligence and machine learning so that you can scale. And these investments we've seen are no longer technologies that companies are acquiring, buying their hardware, installing the software, hiring <laughs> people to maintain it and operate and integrate within their firewall new technology investments, whether it's in applications, analytics, or infrastructure are all cloud first and cloud native. We see the tremendous growth in companies like Amazon, AWS, or Microsoft, Azure, Google, and other what we call hyperscalers. That's where the technologies are. It's not just headed, it's been headed uh, down that path for many years. And so this is now gonna drive innovations um, that the financial services industry can adopt much quicker. And, and they are, right? And we see that happening across the board. So a lot of investments in technology, even though there has been a downturn to some degree, but we're seeing uh, an uptick in the financial services sector in anticipation of the pandemic being over and the economy growing back. People will start using their credit cards again, buying homes, yeah, uh, buying new cars, and uh, hopefully we'll get back to some semblance of normalcy. 
Yeah, and I know our listeners are leaders in, in data-driven CX. What, what challenges do they face as they're making investments in CX? Absolutely. So I talked about analytics, applications, infrastructure um, in the cloud. And oftentimes we see those investments, even outside or previous to the pandemic, you know, companies are putting in a new mobile payment system or they're implementing a new advanced analytic application that's going to help them target customers for their, you know, mortgage refinance programs or to sell them specialty insurance products. And they realize the data and information in these investments, in these systems is not fit for use for the business. And so what, what they realize is that yes, those digital transformation investments are important, but they also need to treat the way that they manage and govern and share and protect data is equally important. And what we're now seeing the financial services industry, they're not discounting the importance of modernizing their data management, their data governance, and their data privacy capabilities anymore, right? It is as important as all the other investments that they're making. And especially in, in places, in organizations where they've suffered from data issues that have prevented them from achieving their business objectives, whether it's to grow a wallet share or to onboard their clients faster and more accurately, or to combat fraud and to do all the things that the business needs. Financial services is a heavily data-driven industry, and it will continue to be with the amount of data that's being produced and consumed. Data management and governance is equally important compared to the other areas that I just discussed. Yeah, and, and, and you already touched upon a little bit on it, but what are the consequences or costs if data issues aren't dealt with correctly? And I want the honest, yeah, the honest truth, right? <laughs> well, so I've, I've uh, recently I've been involved working with a, a large bank in the uh, United States, and they've spent... I'd say close to 30 million US in implementing a new client onboarding system. So this is the whole process of bringing on new commercial banking clients, yeah. making sure that they go through their screenings and risk ratings and ultimately getting those organizations on board to do business with. Um, when the data is not right, meaning oftentimes you're not able to validate who are you? Are you Peter Ku, PKU? Do you belong to an organization? Do you have an affiliation with a legal entity? Does the bank currently do business with those legal entities today? And if that information is neither not available, it's incorrect, no one knows really how to use it. It delays the onboarding process. Therefore, those customers will have to wait. But the reality is they're not going to wait because there are other banks that they can do business with, right? So time is of the essence. If time equals money, Data problems can delay the onboarding process, which means less time to actually make money or a lot more time for competitors to take those prospects away from you. Number two, uh, the amount of manual efforts involved in identifying and fixing or asking questions about the data in these systems that sales, marketing, customer service representatives are dealing with. It decreases business productivity, it increases the operational cost of doing business. And many CFOs or chief financial officers look at the numbers. So when you look at revenue minus cost, net income, again, 
if these organizations could sell more loans and insurance policies for a lot more, they would, but they can't. It's dictated by the market, but they can control the cost. And we see often business users, not technology folks, business people spend anywhere between 40 to 75% of their time dealing with data problems. So it takes away business productivity and increases costs and lowers net income per employee. That's a real metric. Uh, lastly, just customer sentiment. sentiment. Um, imagine you go to your bank's website or you log into your mobile application. You just made a transaction or you just did a trade. You go back to your summary screen and it doesn't show up or the numbers don't calculate to what you expected. So what do you do as a consumer? You're probably call or text or email someone yeah. right? or Zoom someone these days. And if you can't get your answers, then what ex what impression does that leave you as a consumer? Not a good one. <laughs> and this actually happened yeah. to me personally. And so this is where that negative customer experience reduces their willingness to refer that institution to their friends, their families, or their adult children, right? So I've seen this happen and where your net promoter scores go down and customer sentiments go down because the data in these systems that they interact with wasn't fit for use. You have one chance to make an impression and oftentimes you're not given too many extra chances to make that up when it's not a good one. I, I like the three layers that you add there because I think um, they will be recognized by the people that listen. So I hope so much that the listeners that they might yeah, react and say, yeah, yeah, we recognize that. And that's not, but I think it's to see reality is so important and not put it or cover it up with what, what anything. But as you are on the show and you are from Informatica, you are Informatica for me. How, how does Informatica help its financial services customers with their CX investments and these data needs? So we address the data requirements and challenges that companies face. And then when I say requirements and challenges, I'm talking about, you know, does the, is the data available in the systems and applications that run the business? Number two, is the data trustworthy and clean? Number three, is it complete? Meaning, do we have all the information about who the customer is, not just the account that they open? Number four, is the data protected and secured? Meaning, is there private information or sensitive information that has to be protected or at least identified that you're sending sensitive information to, from one system to another, obviously to comply with GDPR or some of the regulations here in the States, but more importantly, avoiding a data breach and ending up in the headlines if that information were ever to get compromised. So these are the things that Informatica provides solutions for our software solutions allow organizations to manage data. When we say manage, integrate it, making sure that it's in the right format, making sure that the values of one, two, and three really represent gold, silver, and bronze in terms of, let's say, customer status. We ensure that we can identify errors and help organizations fix errors in the data and monitor that those fixes actually continue to work. We call that data quality management. Uh, and we do that not just for the developers, but really the business folks. I'm going to talk about why that's so important there. Uh, and then being able to provide visibility in terms of, can I trust the data before I use it to, let's say, run a credit card marketing campaign for net new customers, as an example. Third area would be what we call master data management, which is basically saying, I need a central source of comprehensive customer information that all systems can use 
as well as contribute. So there's always going to be a golden record of that customer, not the account, but what that customer represents to all lines of business that every system will be able to access and share so that regardless if I'm the customer service rep going in one application or another, I see the same information about that customer so that I know what they mean to the business. From a data privacy perspective, we can identify, classify, as well as mass sensitive information so that we are protecting against breaches and allowing organizations to comply. But these individual product areas are best to breed in the industry. We're recognized as the leader, according to Gartner, in our respective areas, um, but they work together as a platform. So what we're delivering to our customers is the technology that addresses all of these data management issues and requirements, but that the platform allows them to use it not just for one project or for one business area, but truly as a platform to serve all the business requirements. And then lastly, I would say, you know, Informatic has been in the market for 26 years now. Um, we do so much business with financial services companies, and we've been doing it for a long time. Some of them start with one area, but many of them have graduated to the platform. And where we're headed now is providing our solutions as a cloud offering. So no longer do you have to buy our software and load it on your own boxes. You can subscribe to our solutions and actually consume our technology as a subscription license rather than your traditional uh, perpetual license where you pay a lot of money up front in maintenance. So it keeps us honest. It ensures that we continue to innovate and that the software works so that we want our customers to renew with us. And then finally, you know, software is one thing, by the way, I forgot to mention. Yes, we've got to ensure that our technology is proven and it, and it works, but it also is about adoption and education. We teach our customers how to use it. We have training and certification courses. We have a team of, of professional services uh, personnel that help implement, but also grow adoption. You talk to some of our folks from our advisory group, talk about strategy and how do you integrate the capabilities into your day-to-day -day business process. And then lastly, uh, we work with a community of partners from the largest global system integrators out there from the Deloitte's, the Cognizance, the Accenture's of the world, but also with the technology uh, partner community uh, including the Microsofts, the Googles of the world, the Amazons of the world, and many others out there. So we want to be a part of our customer's journey with all these facets that allows them to get value out of the software investments that they make with Informatica. Yeah, and then being in, in that good quadrant with Gartner, that is a real recognition, right? Yes, it is, because <laughs> here's the thing. If, if So I always, if someone says to me, oh, so does that mean that you're bribing the analysts? No, uh, the analysts invite no, companies. We to all know that's so not true. No, you're right. Yeah, well, they, they invite vendors to participate, and so you, as a vendor, if you do participate, then you have to actually provide names of companies and people that use your software, and they have their researchers call them and they ask a number of questions: software work? Are you getting what you need from the vendor, etc.? And then they rank you. So if you don't show up in the quadrant, that means you weren't you either just didn't felt you were worthy or that you could compete. And if you rank less than the upper right tier of the quadrant, then at least you're on, but you're not the leader. Well, Informatica has been the leader in integration, in data quality management, metadata management, master data management, and our enterprise integration services, which is part of our cloud offering. So 
And it takes a, a lot of effort to do that. So we're pretty proud of it. Now, why that's important is if you're the technology decision maker and you have to then recommend what partners to do business with or technologies to invest in, would you want to take a risk in not going with the leader? Right. Because one would ask, well, why aren't you going with the leader? Who's the leader in the marketplace? Well, it's Informatica. Yeah. Well, why aren't we going with Informatica? It used to be, well, because they're too expensive, but that's no longer the case because of our subscription pricing model. So the question is then why wouldn't you? So it, we, we make the risk of making these decisions a lot less by being evaluated as a leader by the analyst community, particularly the Gartner. And they are obviously- yeah. um, It's like uh, the Michelin star. So I think- um, It is, it is. Yeah. And I'd say for the business partners that the technologists support, um, this is important because we go back to customer experience and why data matters. The business folks that are responsible for sales, marketing, customer service, they don't know why these data issues arise. So when, when you have, for example, in your CRM system, the customer's name is spelled incorrectly <laughs> and their phone number <laughs> field is invalid, there's an alpha in the numeric field. As a business user, what do you do? You blame the application or you blame the technology folks or both. Yeah, the technology folks will say, well, we tried to do the right thing, but we don't have the right technology to do what you're asking for or what we did just doesn't work. And that's why it's important that the business understands what causes these problems and what they can do about it. And I'd say the one other thing is, you know, these solutions have been around for a while. I've been doing this work for many years. Uh, the question is, why should organizations invest in something that they may already own in that category, like data quality management as an example. Um, I look at it as modern challenges and requirements require modern technology. You can build a house with an old hammer, but you could probably get a lot more done if that was a, a pneumatic saw or a power drill, right? The technology allows you to ultimately do things faster, better, and cheaper. Yeah, yeah, and let's touch a little bit back on um, on data and 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 especially what you see a lot within companies is they're they're talking about a customer centric view of the business and um, mm -hmm. what does that mean? What does and 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 why is that so important for companies looking to improve customer experience? Yes, so the word customer is I think the key thing here, obviously in customer experience. It's not account <laughs> experience. It's not policy experience. It's the customer and. If you think about financial services, a bank or large wealth management firm or insurance company, these companies typically run in traditional what we call business silos. In the United States, commercial banking is different from wealth management. Separate systems, separate people, separate goals and objectives. Um, credit cards will typically run separate from the mortgage business and retail banking. And we see that and that still exists today. The systems can track what accounts have opened, closed, what the status of the accounts are, and they may roll up under a particular person or a legal entity. But it doesn't provide you a holistic view of who are our customers that do business across both management, commercial banking, and consumer banking. And what is the total profitability level uh, with those customers and their immediate households and their extended households? And that's something that requires an aggregation of all that information about accounts and transactions at the entity level or at the customer level. And that does not exist for all the systems within these organizations to share from. So that's why we say it's a customer centric view. If you ask a bank, how many accounts have you opened or closed in the last three months, they will be pretty accurate and you'll get consistent answers. If you ask a bank, 
how many customers do you do business with? They'll ask you, that depends. What part of the business are you talking about? <laughs> if you ask, yeah, yeah. well, all lines of business, I want to know who, who has a relationship with your wealth advising group versus your, your retail banking group. Um, you'll get different answers because that information is not immediately available for many organizations. So the, the consequences of this is, is pretty dramatic. You're not able to grow your wallet share expansion. You won't know whether you should be offering a credit card application to that particular customer or their extended household. My children, for example, when they were minors, uh, they used to receive credit card applications from my bank. But the bank should have realized they were only eight and 10 years old at that time. Um, I have no <laughs> idea why they did that. And having come from the credit card industry, I actually wrote back to the bank and said, you know, I know how much effort and cost it goes into sending these, these offers through the mail. But I have to tell you guys, you have no idea who you're actually soliciting this to. So do the math. Yeah. Right? You're, you have a data quality problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and that is important for them. And I think this this um, example really touched upon that. I think as we're going uh, to the end of this interview, which I find mm -hmm. very interesting, uh, people are always like, where should we start? And everybody that's listening is interested in data-driven CX. So they probably recognize these data challenges and they want to impact them. What is your suggestion to, well, to round this whole brilliant interview up? What is your suggestion? Where should they start? It's a great question. So as organizations are looking to invest in new applications or analytic systems or you know, technology solutions, they have to ask themselves, is the data that I need or we need fit for use for the business? So define what fit for use means. For example, if I'm a marketing executive and I am responsible for growing upsell and cross-sell opportunities. I need to understand the relationships we have with existing customers, what accounts that they have. I need that information to be available in systems one, two, and three. I need to understand how we use that data for what purposes and when not to use it. All these requirements need to be documented. So the business side of the shop needs to be clear as to what their data requirements are. Then have a conversation with their data management or technology counterparts to say, how would we satisfy these requirements today without spending any money on anything else? Do we have the ability to do so? And if so, how? And if not, what do you recommend us to do about it? So the business needs to identify the requirements and, and collaborate with their technology counterparts. On the technology side of the organization, a good starting point is to do a data management and governance assessment. What are our capabilities today to support the management and governance and the protection of data? And we have assessment tools in Informatica that we can provide companies to kind of go through a self-assessment, right? So on a scale of one to 10, where do we think we are? Compared to where they rank versus their peers, because we actually do have information as to companies of a particular size and in an industry, where do they currently rank today? And if they want to then have a conversation as to what good looks like and how Informatica could potentially help them, because many of these firms are Informatica customers, um, give us a call and we're happy to guide them through what good looks like and what the effort would be from getting to where they are today versus where they want to be. So my advice would be don't, don't just look at Informatica as a software sales company. We're really here to earn that right to have a seat on the table as a trusted partner because we do want our customers to leverage data as a business asset, and we can help facilitate that, whether it's our own people 
and or our partner community. Thank you so much, Peter. And a very practical call for action. And for everybody that's listening, know that the links to all these kinds of elements and the resources of Informatica are in the notes. So thank you again, Peter, for this interview, for the value that you brought. And um, see you, I hope, soon. Me in the Netherlands. Oh, thank you. you in the thank USA. You. Say, <laughs> yeah, and if for those of the folks listening to this, if, if we're not already connected on LinkedIn, please do. Reach out to me. I'd love to uh, include you in my name. Yeah, we put the LinkedIn connection also in the notes. So thank you so much and uh, bye-bye. All right, thank you. So thank you so much for listening to this Data-Driven CX podcast episode. Today, we took an industry spotlight and we talked with Peter Koo. And I will definitely remember the necessity for all businesses in financial services to work on CX. And he he shared his information on the pandemic um, and that there's a real big rise and uh, speed in digitization, but also that there's still a big need for better service. The second thing I will remember is that it's so important to be aware of the consequences and costs of data issues if, if, if things aren't dealt with correctly. And he shared that his daughters at the age of, I think, six and eight got offers for credit cards. And that was started by data issues. And I think it's very important. And thank you so much for that share. Peter. If you want to connect with Peter Who, be welcome. His information is in the notes. So know that the next episode, which comes out in a week, will meet Gene Cornfield. He's Managing Director and Global Lead of Customer Experience Transformation of Accenture. You'll learn data-driven success is often based on working across silos and with several business partners. It's time to put the spotlight on business partner Accenture and discuss the evolution of CX into the future. Of course, you want to learn more about data-driven CX. So go to informatica.com slash CX and check out the notes for more resources, including the assessment that Peter just talked about. Mm-hmm.